So I have a couple of uh, quick bookkeeping things. Uh, number one, if you're, we're challenging people in the first 90 days of the year to read through the New Testament, it may be that you are part of that or you, and you finished the Gospel of Matthew today. And good for you. Some of you weren't able to do that or haven't taken that challenge. And I want to challenge you because... And why do we do this? Because we are a church that believes in... We're people of the book. And part of the free church, Evangelical Free Church of America, is we ask the question, where is it written? Where is it written? And we have to be people of the book. So we need to know the book. And the only way to get to know the book is to read it or listen to it. And so we're challenging you to read through the New Testament in 90 days as we will be done right around Easter time. Now, we have these, some more of these cards that are at the Connection Center right outside these doors. And uh, I know at the UD campus, Mark has some of those too. But I want to just give you a quick challenge because maybe you're not part of this big one and you want to just jump in. So here's the jump in challenge I have for you this week. Read the Gospel of Mark. We're starting the Gospel of Mark starting tomorrow. If you read two or three chapters a day, you'll be through it in six days. Six days. And you'll have read through the Gospel of Mark. It's a very quick Gospel. It's a great Gospel. I want to challenge you to do that. So I hope that if you're not reading through the New Testament, you will read through the Gospel of Mark with us this week. I'd like to see as many people as possible uh, be doing that on a regular basis. Um, also, I want to give a shout-out to the UD campus because I will be there next week live at the 10 o'clock service. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but I will be there, so you'll have to put up with me there. And pray for good weather so that uh, I have good transportation time between the church services. And then one last thing I want to do, mention is I had told you last week that our hope was that we'd be able to announce a, our candidate. For, uh, we have a really promising candidate for the position of executive pastor. And good news is that person will be in town next weekend. They'll be coming into town this next weekend. And so we're, we're feeling very good about that. And we're going to introduce that person next weekend. And so I hope you'll be there to meet them and greet them and ask them questions and get more information about that. So as we move into the Word this weekend, I want to just begin by saying one of the foundational principles of the Gospel is this. I am, because of the Gospel, I am a new creature. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. My old life is gone, and I am being remade by Jesus. So I want to ask you all a question. How's the remaking? How's the reimaging? How's the work going in your life? Can you see that you're a different person than you used to be? If not, well, then something's wrong. And that's what we want to look at this weekend. Now, let's just review. Last weekend, we began the book of Galatians. We're going to be in the book of Galatians for the first three months of this year. Right up till Easter, we're going to do a chunk, a, a weekend. Again, we're going to be in the Word. We think it's important that we say, thus says the Lord, or where is it written? And so last weekend, we looked at Paul's greeting in his letter to, to the Galatians, that he was disappointed, that he was concerned, that he was even alarmed and upset his alarm was that they were losing the gospel message by adding to it. And we said last weekend, if you add anything to the gospel, the gospel plus anything, Jesus plus anything, you immediately 
get nothing. You lose the gospel completely. Paul basically says if you add anything to the gospel, you have lost the gospel. It's not the gospel at all. Now, Paul's not writing to pagans here. His letter's not writing to people who aren't followers of Christ. He's writing to Christians. His letter to the churches are churches in Galatia, in the region of Galatia. And they're Christians. They're followers. They're new believers. And they had committed their lives to Jesus, but they were in danger of losing the gospel. And Paul is very concerned about that, and therefore he gives them a warning in this letter. Now, some people think the gospel is just merely the milk of the word. They say, well, the gospel is the basic, you know, 101 stuff. Uh, We need to get to the the 201, the 301, the 401. We need to get to the more complex. We need to get to the meat of the word. The gospel is merely the the milk of the word. It's for the lost. It's for those who are new to Jesus. It's not for the seasoned believer. But I just want you to know, Paul had a very, he would very much disagree with this view. Paul would say that the gospel is not just the milk, it's the meat. It's both. It is simple, but it's also profound. The gospel is ground zero, too, for all of the attacks of the enemy. You know, there's an enemy out there, there's a spiritual battle going on, and the enemy wants the gospel, the simple but profound gospel message, to be polluted to be changed, to be modified, to be just doctored up. And today there's a lot of confusion about what the gospel is. In fact, I do baptism classes, and we'll probably have one coming up shortly. But whenever I do that, I say, uh, tell me what the gospel is, just to the candidates, because I always want to hear what they have to say. It's very rare that I hear them state what the gospel is. You say, we all believe in the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? If you're not sure, read the first Six or seven verses of 1 Corinthians 15. Don't do it now, but write it down and do it in a moment. All right, or, you know, when we're done. But this is what we're going to do this weekend. We're going to see how the gospel transforms us. How does the gospel transform us? So I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, and page 890. If you're using the chair Bible, you can follow along with me. I'll read uh, from starting at verse 11 to the end of chapter 1. Paul writes this. He writes to the church of Galatia, to the brothers and sisters, the believers, but he also writes to you and me here at Hope Church this weekend. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion? How I violently persecuted God's church? I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by His marvelous grace. You might want to underline that sentence. Paul says this often in his letters. You go to Ephesians chapter 1, Paul basically will say the same thing. Paul is making a mind-boggling statement. He's saying, before I was even born, I was chosen. I don't even know about I didn't even know about it. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Whenever you see good news, think gospel. It's the same euangelion, which is gospel. 
When this happened, I did not rush out to consult any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. And three years later, I went to Jerusalem to uh, get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at the time was James, the Lord's brother. And as we said before, before the resurrection, Jesus, his brothers, were not believers, so something through the resurrection, James, his brother, became a, a Christian follower, and much more than that. We'll see that next weekend. But and look at what it says. He says, I declare before God that what I'm writing to you is not a lie. After that visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia. And still, the Christians in, churches, in the churches in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. The gospel transformed Paul. He went from two phrases in this passage, which are very interesting. He went from, I violently persecuted God's church to those in the churches. They praised God because of me. That's what the gospel will do. It totally transforms us. Well, how does the gospel change us? How does it transform us? Number one, it changes us divinely from heaven to earth. It changes us divinely from heaven to earth. Now, some people see the gospel as really adding something to their lives, almost like an accessory. They may go to church more. They may read their Bible. They may read through the gospel of Mark this week. Uh, they may give some of their time, their talent, and their treasure. They may seek to try to live a better life. In fact, maybe that was one of your New Year's Eve resolutions. You were going to live a better life this year, and that was one of your goals. They, but they see the gospel as knocking out the dents, putting on some makeup, taking a minor detour in their lives. But that's not what happened to Paul. And that's not what he's describing. Paul went from chief threat to the church to become the key builder of the church. He was zealous. He was driven. He was effective. He persecuted the church. If you read Acts chapter 6 and some of the other chapters that follow that, you see Paul, he was called Saul then, was adamantly grabbing people and, and dragging them into prison and they were being killed. He says this, he says, You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal in, in the, for the traditions of the ancestors. Paul was, he was against the church. He was a terrorist for Judaism. He was. He was a radical. He was a radical. Now, there's a key change in Paul's life. The change was planned even before he was born. God had a plan for Paul. Notice what he says in verse 15. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by His marvelous grace. Then it pleased Him to reveal His Son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. 
You see, Christianity isn't something that you take up like a hobby. Christianity is something that takes you up. You don't choose it. He chooses you. I didn't choose Him. From my perspective, it seemed that way. But I realized that He chose me. He was, you know, I didn't decide. I was decided upon. God set me apart from birth just like He set Paul apart, just like He set you apart. So as you put on your glasses of God's grace and you look back at your life, you will see God's sovereign hand was there all the time. And that's what's most remarkable and amazing, that I look back and I see the hand of God. I see that I'm not the same person I was, that my values are different, that my whole life direction is different. It wasn't something that I added as an accessory. It wasn't a hobby I took up. It was a fundamental change of who I was as a person. God was there all the time. He was preparing. He was guiding. You remember the story of Joseph? And, and it cuts to the chase. He's sold into slavery. He bring his brothers and his family. He brings them into Egypt. And now they're in favor with the Egyptian pharaoh. And, and now Joseph's father has passed. And his brothers are afraid that he's going to give out retribution and vengeance for what they did to him earlier in his life. And what does Joseph say? He says this. He doesn't say, you know, I know you didn't mean it. I know it wasn't your fault. He doesn't say that. He says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What was was Joseph doing there? He was looking back and he was seeing the sovereign hand of God working in his life. And when you look back at your life, you realize that God was there all the time. That we're being changed. I want to say this too. No matter what you do or no matter how hard you try, you will never thwart the purposes and plan of God. No matter what Paul could do, no matter what he tried to do, he could not thwart God's plans. In fact, God used Paul, the number one persecutor of the church, and God made him the number one planter of churches, didn't he? Isn't that, isn't that, it's God's sense of humor. I need to get somebody out there that's going to plant churches. Who can I get? Let's take this guy because he's throwing people into jail and killing them. And let's just take him. And, and, and won't that be a, a, an expression of my grace and my sovereignty if I could take somebody who's causing so much grief and so much pain and so much agony to the church that I'll turn his life on a dime and he'll begin to plant churches. In fact, he'll go down as one of the greatest church planters of all time. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So as you look at your life, do you say, He was there all the time. I just never knew it. Well, how are we changed? Well, we're changed sovereignly by Him, for Him. Secondly, we're changed individually from theory to desire. So Carol and my youngest boy, Calvin, who's in high school, and I finally got around to getting our flu shots this last week. And one of us became a little bit of a drama queen, making a big deal out of it. Look at the mark. It hurts. My arm is throbbing. I can't move my arm. Won't the shot give me the flu? I feel sick. After about an hour of this carrying on, Carol finally looked at me and said, Knock it off, you big baby. (laughs) 
<laughs> In theory, a flu shot is supposed to give you a small dose of the flu virus so your body can build up a tolerance to that particular flu strain. In the best case scenario, you become immune to the flu virus. Now, apply that, apply that same principle to the gospel. And it's a real danger. I've seen it within Christianity. You can get so close to the gospel that you become inoculated. You become immune to the gospel. You've heard it so many times. You no longer hear it. You hear it, but you don't. It's just wah, wah, wah. You have heard it so many times that you no longer hear it. You check out. You're distracted. In other words, you can become overshadowed by Christianity and the gospel and not be penetrated and transformed by it. I think one of the worst things that could ever happen is that you could say, I went to church on a regular basis. I read my Bible. I hung out with Christians a lot. And I still miss the gospel. I still missed it. Paul is clearly saying, that he was alone with God for three years. Now, we know that Paul wasn't in solitude somewhere because there's other... When you harmonize the book of Acts, you see that he was out preaching and doing other things, but he spent a lot of time alone with God. And God was using this time to prepare Paul for his ministry. The gospel had deeply rooted within Paul's life. The point I want you to make, and I want you to hear this, you can be in close proximity to the gospel and miss it completely. We talked a little bit about that last weekend. There will be, it may be from somebody from this room here, that you will say two years, three years from now, uh, you all of a sudden it makes sense. I get the gospel. I thought I got it, but I never got it. And now I see it. Now I understand it. And I went to Hope Church for five years, and I never once heard Collins mention the gospel. Not once. Has the gospel come into your life? I'm not asking whether you're busy doing Christian-like things like praying or reading your Bible or going to church or getting into a small group. You can be overshadowed by the Gospel and you can still miss it. That's a real danger. Do you have an inner desire to be alone with God? If not, you may be on the outside looking in. Has God's grace penetrated your heart, your soul, and your mind? Notice what Paul's saying. He's saying, I wasn't with men. I was with God. Paul went off with God to Arabia. He was alone with God. Uh, And when was the last time where you just got away to be with God, to spend time with God, to hear His heart, to hear His voice, to experience His presence? When was the last time that you had a moment with God? We didn't just pray and say, God, bless this, bless that, do this, do that. We just said, God, speak to my heart. I'm going to open your word up and I just want to hear you. I want to hear you speak to me. I want to hear your word. I want to be silent for you. I want to just walk with you and just be with you. Here's the last difference you'll see. And it's really practical from B.C. to A.D., Paul went from being a persecutor to being a missionary. He was changed dramatically, fundamentally, and completely by the gospel. 
It changed everything. Paul did a 180. I love how people say, I did a 360. Well, you're still going in the same direction if you did 360. Do a 180. 180s are a lot better than a 360. But the gospel will transform you. There's no getting around it. When God saves you, He begins the process of transforming you. Little by little, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Now, many of you are not the same person that you used to be. Some of you would say you are a complete opposite of the person you were used to be. In fact, you would say, I'm, I'm going in a complete opposite direction of where I was going. I'm a different person today than I was before. There's a, there's a, there's a, a B.C. and an A.D. in my life. There's before Christ and after Christ moment in my life where I'm just not the same person I used to be. Now, let's be clear. Paul was changed and everyone saw it. Notice what it says. The Christians in the churches in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that, that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching. The persecutors become the preacher. It's, it's a 180. It's like crazy. It's like, are you kidding me? The very faith he tried to destroy, he's preaching that faith. And it says, Paul says, and they praised God because of me. Now, I don't know where the Christians were when, when they were being persecuted. I know Stephen, it says, when he was being stoned and Saul was sitting there watching the, the cloaks, Stephen was praying for them while he was being persecuted and ultimately dead. By the way, there's an interesting part in the book of Acts. I just think this is such a dramatic moment. So uh, Stephen is basically praising God and, and sharing the gospel, and it's not being well received. In fact, he's being stoned to death. And it says that when he looked up, he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. In every other time in Scripture, whenever you see Jesus on the throne, He's sitting on the throne. That's the only time in Scripture you see Jesus standing. Paul sitting there, Saul at that moment, is watching the events and approving of them. And I think Jesus was just moved to action. Not action to prevent it, not action to stop it. And if you had just stopped there at that day, you would have said, what kind of a person would not only be there but allow that to happen? But he, he didn't just do that. He went on and started doing the same thing. And God knew. One day this guy named Saul, who became Paul. One day, this guy would go from being a persecutor to becoming one of the most powerful preachers the church has ever known. I don't know how to make sense out of that. I don't know how you comfort Stephen's family as they're going through all of that. Don't know that. All I do know is that God had a plan. And He carried it out. And He's not just done with that. By the way, that's the whole point. In your life, God has a B.C. and an A.D. 
And if you've crossed that line of faith where Jesus has become not somebody who is, is a, a person or a concept or a good teacher or a rabbi or somebody who lived a long time ago, but He's become your Savior, He's become your Lord, He's become everything in your life, and you've crossed that line of faith, I guarantee you that He who has begun a good work in you will continue it until the day that you meet Him face to face. And what he did with Paul, what he did with Saul, is he transformed him. He changed him. He wasn't the same person. Paul wasn't perfect too. I can show you from Scripture times where I I think Paul's a little harsh. In fact, he gets into it so much with Barnabas, who is one of his partners on these missionary journeys, they have to separate and go different ways. I don't know how to make sense of that. I mean, can't we all get along, right? But we can't all get along. And what they decided was, you know what? We're never going to see eye to eye on this. You're going to go your way. I'm going to go this way. And we're both going to serve God together. But different, in different directions. So Paul was not like little Mr. Easy to get along with. He had some rough edges. He wasn't. He hadn't arrived. And what I'm trying to show you is this. When you cross the line, you're still the same person. But God has begun something within you. A new work, a change, a transformation. If you don't see that happening in your life, if you don't see your values change, you don't see your direction change, you don't see uh, the presence, you feel the presence of God in your life, then you've got to ask, okay, am I just being overshadowed by the Gospel? But it has never really penetrated my heart, my life, my soul. One thing is sure, and one thing our passage tells us, that Paul was not the same person that he used to be. He wasn't. He was a different person. And I just want to say to you that if you receive the gospel, if you understand who Jesus is and what he's done for you, and you realize you are helpless and hopeless, and that he lived the life you should have lived, and he died the death you should have died, and he died in your place, and he took your sin, and he didn't just teach you how to swim. He dove in and saved you and and put you on dry ground. And then He perished in the process. And He did that all for you and for me. He died so that we could live. And when you begin to understand that and you receive Him, it will feel from your perspective like, I chose Him. You, You think you did and we all feel that way. But the Bible says, no, He chose you before the foundation of the world. He had a plan. He didn't just have a plan for Paul's life or Stephen's life. He has a plan for all of our lives. One of the signs that you've received the gospel is your A.D. life will be different than your B.C. life. That your life now is different. I'm not talking that you've arrived. I'm not talking that you're perfect. I'm just saying there's a 180 that you did and there's a a moment, a period of time in your life where there's a transformation that took place. And Paul is basically saying when you understand the Gospel and the Gospel gets a hold of you and it takes a root in your life, there is no there is no other option than you will be changed. You'll be transformed. You'll be made. you there, there, there will be just transformation going on left and right. 
Maybe one of the most basic transformations you'll ever find is the things that you used to do that didn't bother you, now they bother you. You can't just keep doing what you do used to do. You can't keep saying what you used to say. You can't keep behaving like you used to behave because God is now alive in you. Jesus is alive. So one of the signs that you have received the gospel is that your A.D. life is different from your B.C. life. You're changed. You're a new person. A new work has begun. And day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, you're becoming more like Jesus. And people are starting to say stuff like this about you. You're different. You've changed. You, you don't do, you don't say what you used to say. And then you'll know the gospel has taken root. The gospel is about change. It's about transformation. And it's God's work in us. It's not a hobby. It's not something we tack on. It's a 180. And Paul basically says in the passage we just went through, God got a hold of me. Before I even knew it, and he changed me. And I went from being a persecutor to being a preacher. And as I look back, I can see his sovereign, loving hand in my life. That same is true with us. May God help us to call upon the Lord to ask Jesus to come into our lives and to give our lives to him as he gave our li- his life to us. And as we do that, we will see a transformation begin in our lives. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, this is not our work. It is yours. Only you can do this. We pray that he, that you who have begun a good work will continue it as your word says, that we would understand this simple but profound gospel message, that we would understand that you are working in our lives that you had a plan long before we were ever born, and that you're carrying it out in our lives right now. May we find time, like Paul did, to be alone with you. As David said, my heart pants for you, speaking of God. And may we see that transformation. Maybe it's slow, but that sure transformation as we go from being who we used to be to who you are making us in to be. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with a song, and uh, there's a line in it. I really don't want you to miss it. It says, you forget all of our sins. God, you forget all of our sins, yet you remember all of your promises. And it's just a powerful line. I think that if we can get to the place where we really understand what that means, our lives will be forever changed. highest mountains to fall upon their knees.
open blinded eyes. You restored the broken hearted and you brought the dead alive. will be over here. Don't forget, jump in if you haven't in the book of Mark. We'd love to have you join us for that. Um, connect, Go to the Connection Center uh, for the 55 over ministry. You can get brochures on that. And then uh, let me tell you where we're going to go next weekend. Next weekend we're going to talk about, oh, the kiosks. 
kiosks are just ways for you to get connected, either in serving or in a small group. So look over the kiosks. Uh, we can't walk you up there and get you connected and write your name down. You're going to have to do that. But it's an opportunity for you to connect. If you want to connect, this is your opportunity to do that. One last thing. Next weekend we're going to talk about a controversy um, between the Protestant church and the Catholic church. And it is, is, is Peter the first pope of the church? And I think Galatians chapter 2 has something to say about that. So we'll talk about that next weekend. Let's pray. Father, as we go, we thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have a plan in our life, for our lives, that you are amazing, you're beyond description, you're incredible. And help us, Father, to know that you have, this week, you have a plan for our lives. May we walk with our heads up, knowing that we are loved and accepted because of what Jesus has done for us, because we are your sons, we are your daughters. And may we find the freedom that only you can give us, and may we take the freedom that we have received and share the true message of the gospel to the people that we love and care so much for around us. Use us this week, Father, as your vessels, as your uh, preachers, as your hands and feet. May we love others as we are loved by you. We pray this all in Jesus' name.